Well, if it's all right with you all, um, we can get started and we can welcome other people into the room as, as they come. But um, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our fourth session on uh, theologies of transformation and actions for justice. We're thrilled that you are all here to, uh, to reflect on uh, the intersection of faith and action. And we're really looking forward to our conversation tonight. Uh, as I mentioned, Interfaith Action has 10 principles that guide our witness and work. Uh, those principles are uh, focused around uh, three different uh, topics, and those are uh, common home, common good, and common life. Um, we believe that these conversations around faith and action are dynamic rather than static, and that each faith tradition has something to offer for our collective action. Uh, last month, Sidmon, Reverend Dr. Sidmon, reflected on our third interfaith action principle of human rights and justice noting the important distinction between charity and justice and highlighting the value of human rights language in pursuing collective faith-based action. Uh, and if you missed that conversation, you can uh, find uh, those conversations on our Apple podcast, Interfaith Action Southwest Michigan, or on our YouTube channel. Um, and we can post uh, links in the chat here as well. Uh, but this evening, we're really excited for our conversation uh, on our fourth interfaith action principle. We have three um, panelists, um, including uh, the Reverend Dr. Sidmon, my colleague at Interfaith Action, uh, along with uh, Saif Sakala of the Islamic Association of Southwest Michigan and Jatinder Singh of the Sikh Religious Society of Michigan. Um, as I as I have in the past, I'm going to share this principle so you all can take a look at it. I'm I'm a, a very visual person, so having a visual aid helps me. Can you all see this? Yes. All right. So this is the principle we're going to be discussing this evening. Uh, and um, Sid, do you want to read this? Uh, I certainly. Um, it starts out by saying uh, to be effective communities of faith we provide opportunities to encounter one another, particularly those different from us. Uh, amidst this encounter of diversity, we underscore our common life, symbolized by a common table to which all are welcomed with inclusion. This encounter requires us to slow down for dialogue, ensure mutual respect, promote rational facts, and express an openness to the views of others. And you can find uh, a drill down uh, of that principle in the second paragraph. All right, and with that, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to you, Sid, um, and Jintadur uh, and Safe. Uh, great, well, I'm uh, delighted to moderate this uh, discussion uh, with Saif and uh, Jatinder. So let me start out by bringing them into the conversation. And, and Saif, uh, let me start with you. Uh, would you reflect with us on what Islam teaches about uh, religious uh, diversity, reaching out to other uh, faith traditions, uh, perhaps a comment on the concept of uh, people of the book, uh, as well as other uh, Islamic uh, teachings and traditions uh, relative to, I guess, global community, respect for difference, 
and uh, uh, different uh, faith traditions. Sure. Um, so I guess even in what I was about to say, you, you see that in my initial phrase, assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. And that's a common phrase or expression that's I feel in all of these uh, religions and faith-based traditions. And so with that, it proceeds sort of from a basis of peace. And in Islam, at least, there's a concept too where monotheists are seen as one community, including their um, diverse um, aspects, diverse doctrinal divergences. And so the concept too of people of the book refers to people such as Jews and Christians who have received divine revelation before. And at least the, the Quran, the scripture of Islam acknowledges this and debates and dialogue are bound to happen. And so when such dialogue happens, uh, there's a verse I'm thinking of, I think it's chapter 29, 46. I'm paraphrasing here, but it says something to the effect of, and if you dispute or debate, talk with, discuss with the people of the book, do it in the most excellent or fairest of manners. And it goes on to say, ultimately say, we believe in one God, your God and our God is one and to him we are devoted, to him we submit. And I think that's the most essential if not quintessential aspect of these types of dialogues and encounters with faiths is that you find a common element, you glorify and revel and are blessed in that common element. You don't necessarily forego the differences, but you learn to accept them. Just like too, um, there's another verse 49, 13, I think that says, humanity, God created you from one person, the reason why, so that you might come to know one another. Surely the most noble in the sight of God is the most pious of you. And so that's left a lot to interpretation and especially built on character, how one interacts with creation. Thank you, a, a good start to this conversation. And Jatinder, uh, please join in. I know uh, a Sikh religion is recognized as having a, a, a principle uh, around uh, respect for multiple religious traditions. Uh, can you explain how uh, the Sikh uh, religion uh, understands or relates to diverse uh, faith traditions? Yes, definitely. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm glad I'm here uh, with all of you. And uh, like uh, I was speaking with Sid last time, uh, we talked about a uh, garden. So. Uh, this world is uh, like a garden with different flowers. And all these faiths are different kinds of flowers. They make one garden. And Sikh religion, basically uh, Guru Nanak, uh, we had a line of masters and spiritual masters. And Guru Nanak was the first spiritual master. He came, uh, he was born in 1469. So the time when he, he was born in India, uh, northern part of India, Punjab, uh, that time the society was divided into, you know, like we always like mine is, my religion is best, uh, mine is best, you know, all I, I, I. And he said, God, 
lives among us there is a he's, he he wrote because he shunned all the uh, hypocrisy that time eventually you know he did not come to this world to make a religion separate religion so in the he wrote the scripture and he said there is a saying the best religion so he said the best religion is remembrance of the lord that is the best religion so don't name anything but when you remember the lord khalak 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 mein khalak so then the second guru came the second spiritual master and the fifth one when he came he compiled a holy book so in that we call it adi granth and the, all the six they they bow to that granth because in that granth the book there are writings of 35 saints from different because at that time there are hindu saints in there and even the muslim mystics are there so uh, uh, the sufis they were there at that time so that's the the spiritual side of islam is you know but i understand is a sufism so all of them agreed that the lord is khalak 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 is the lord he lives in the khalak in the people so it's like a, a ocean in a drop and drop in the ocean so can we say that drop is different from the ocean drop is part of the ocean if you take a drop out from the ocean and put it back in the ocean can you take the drop out you cannot take the same drop out from the ocean so we are part of that's the lord all of us so if our relationship with the lord is just like uh, our father let's say so now or or mother we can say a parent so the relationship of the child with the parent is of love so you can call your father dad you can call papa you can call with any name similarly we name the lord with in different religions we have different names for the lord but the relationship is of love so father and child so that was the principle and that time he said uh, there were different things like uh, there is some mythical bow holding the earth or you know and he said there are earths and earths hundred thousand millions of earths planets out there and who is holding all these planets or all these celestial uh, bodies who is holding who is holding the earth and he said compassion and contentment mm. so we have to understand that the lord lives in us and if we grow these qualities because because qualities gunas we call it gunas so the god has these qualities and if we remember you know there is a law of attraction similarly if if we remember the lord if we want to grow love in our hearts we have to remember the almighty with every breath not only there is not particular time you know prayer time like morning or evening but with every breath he said remember remember him with every breath and then there broadly three principles honest living just is living. we work for we have to work to make money and sustain ourselves and family but honest living honest work and then there is meditate on lord we have to meditate because he lives everywhere there is nothing in this world without lord but we have to find within us 
and everyone you and me are so the base there was one thing we call it duality the bad and we from duality we have to go into oneness so oneness is you or me are not different we are all one the whole human race is one even the even the other beings all are one we are part of that the loving god we are part of the ocean we are just drops of that ocean and that was the second principle when we meditate we realize that there's you and you and me are not different see we i forget he said i for, i have forgotten the jealousy or anything duality of others i have forgotten everything ever since i have found the company of the, the those souls who have realized so he is a stay in the company the company like you go to church or you go to a mosque or you go to a temple so what we do is when we go there we meet the souls who are remembering lord and we can learn from them we can learn that love how how have you that like mother teresa was in india and she didn't differentiate between people she was serving the lowly all the diseased people sick people there so she had that the, the, the living god in her you know like a light you know the, the flame of the lord in her the love and similarly you know when we go to any uh, group like church is not a building it's a group of people remembering lord that's church or similarly our gurudwara we call it house of the guru it's where we collective all people sit together and pray and remember the lord so that is anywhere any group in the world uh when they, they, there is a there is a story uh by uh i'm different faiths here there was a writer uh basically there was a missionary in india and he wrote uh, a book the missionaries they used to travel to different lands and you know spread uh, christianity or a message of jesus and those they they traveled to this island and uh, there were like three fishermen and they fish they used to believe in god and uh, they, their prayer the prayer was oh lord you are three we are three have mercy this was their very very simple prayer and these missionaries they they taught them hey we have to pray like this you know certain format and uh, they taught them god is in heaven and everything all that and years later they said oh you followed yes we followed and years later they traveled to the place and they they said oh they met the same farmers the fishermen and said do you remember the prayer and they said oh yeah oh lord you are three we are three like trinity have mercy so basically the thing was the love and no matter the sikh faith is like we respect each and every religion because we have to learn from every religion the the, the highest the the best religion is connection with the lord when we remember the lord in any form we are connected we are serving the purpose and we we find the lord in every human being every being not only human being every living being on the earth is part and particle of that loving god let, and, let me let me jump in for a moment uh, jatinder um you've made a powerful statements of, about uh, the ground of unity that uh, we as different faith traditions uh can find i'd like to ask both safe and you uh 
what is one unique aspect of, uh, in your case, Jatinder Sikhism, in your case, say, uh, Islam, one unique aspect that you think differentiates your faith tradition from other faith traditions and is a unique aspect that we can all learn from uh, in our search for unity amidst diversity, the diversity that you can offer. So Saif, let me uh, turn to you. What's, uh, what's one or two unique aspects of Islam that you find are distinct to Islam and are part of the diverse gift that you provide uh, to interfaith uh, understandings? I'm honestly not sure if there is, in this context at least, a unique perspective, unique meaning just one. There is a special perspective because it, Islam is seen as coming from the same source as all religions and love, which is God. And so it's a special aspect, but I wouldn't say it's unique only to Islam. And that aspect for me would be mercy. Um, God or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praised and glorified is he, Allah, is mercy and love, just like in Sikhism and just like in Christianity. Even um, one of his epithets is Rabbil Alameen, which is translated as Lord of the world or master of the world, but also as a sustaining and loving element to it. And so going back to mercy, there's a, a verse and also a saying and a concept, God's mercy encompasses everything. It shelters everything and it overcomes punishment or evil. And so that's one aspect to which I gravitate and which I see embodied in other religions, especially when you understand it in combination with love and how to benefit yourself through creation, benefit and learn and grow, but also help creation reach its potential. It's a circle. And so from that aspect, then, if you discuss unity and diversity, there's a multitudinous aspect of people and of creation, but in the end, we are to God, to God we belong, and to God we shall return. Almost like a mystical um, knowing or gnosis type thing with God. And that embodies and also um, expressly expresses the idea of love. And so I, I guess, I'm sorry, I couldn't answer your question. For me, that's not unique, but that is something special, definitely across um, sort of fountaining out and through Islam, but also encompassed and encompassing in other religions. Uh, let me ask you to uh, comment uh, very briefly. I, I think both Sikhism and Islam uh, are often understood to be religions of orthopraxy as opposed to orthodoxy. So it, the, one's practices reveal uh, one's faith. Um, and the uh, uh, tithing or zakat is is mm -hmm. is one of the five core kind of practices of Islam, which is. Can you talk about how uh, the obligation to tithe as a practice is a commitment of service 
to others that is a core principle. Sure. So there is an element of orthopraxy. There are the prayers, there are the zakah, giving alms. And those are sort of minimal thresholds. Those are pillars of one's faith that one does to better center oneself, in my understanding, with creation and to better help creation. But honestly, a 2.5% sort of tax on one's uh, savings or assets is minimal. And so many are encouraged to give more than that who can. Um, but there's also an element of, of orthodoxy too, where you believe one believes in God, creator, sustainer of the universe, and his prophets, all the way from Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, etc. And so just as good works manifest one's faith, I'm someone alluding to the epistle of James here, faith without good works, I don't want to say dead, but it's a little bit less manifested or less apparent, less um, evident. And so that's why a lot of verses say, those who believe and do good deeds, they're seen as complementary. One bolsters and strengthens the other, and one can know faith through good works and experience greater faith by doing good works. Well, uh, Jatinder, uh, uh, let's uh, kind of uh, turn the conversation over to you and talk about how good works or care for others is central uh, to the practice of Sikhism. Yeah, uh, the guru, in order to bring us closer to the Lord, right within us, he introduced the concept of Sangat and Pangat. So Sangat is the company when we come together, and Pangat is when we sit together and serve each other. So he started a kitchen, community kitchen, where anyone from any religion or any caste or creed could come and eat free. So the langar, we call it langar. And langar can be in the form of food or anything. You know, We donate and we can cook and take it to homeless shelter or people can come there. Because so there we learn to serve. So the kitchen, the community kitchen, people, uh, the service is, is, was the focus that we serve the needy regardless. We come, listen to the prayer, uh, uh, pray together, and then serve not only each other, but anyone who comes to the, uh, the Sikh temple. Let, let me ask you, uh, one final question and then we'll open it up uh, to everyone who's uh, on this call. Uh, what's the most uh, substantive challenge you face as a member of a religious minority in the United States? Uh, being misunderstood uh, uh, because like, we had a identity crisis. You know? Like you look at different way because I'm not wearing a turban, but if you go to a Sikh temple or you, you meet a Sikh, they tie turban. So turban was, uh, the word turban comes from uh, uh, the star. They call it a uh, hand of 
Also, echo to Tinder, from whom, by the way, I learned very much from you today. So, thank you. Um, it's mis being misunderstood, but especially when it becomes ignorant, willful ignorance, or even arrogance, when one intentionally misunderstands another, not the other, but another. And I think the more of arrogance and ignorance that happen, the more inexcusable it becomes. And if only people also knew that, as you have so eloquently stated, both of you, there is oneness in the divine, one God, and oneness in creation. And so that's another speciality. The, the unity is a speciality. And a lot of things flow from that too, from being misunderstood to how one is treated, to how even one begins to look at oneself in daily life. And that can have some um, mental or self-esteem issues too. But once people begin to talk and openly discuss differences, similarities, which for me are both encapsulated in the word diversity, then I think that, um, I don't wanna say gap or gulf, but that area becomes bridged. And so then, we become a little bit more unified. Even if disagreement is still there, that doesn't negate the unity. Well, thank you. Let's uh, open this up to questions or comments uh, from uh, the rest of you who have joined this call.
I do have a one question so for, for both of the gentlemen. I really appreciate listening to this. I've learned so much. Um, recently, uh, in the United States, we're having more and more uh, a less division of church and state within the, uh, the Christian faith in the federal government, or actually all the governments uh, in the United States. Uh, could each of you uh, say a bit on uh, your viewpoints of uh, historical theocracy in your religions and uh, uh, what insight could you give us? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can go first, Ratinder, if you wish. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you can go ahead. Go ahead, please. Okay. Um, I know at least in Islam, um, chapter 2, verse 256, or somewhere around there, there's no compulsion in religion. That's an evident statement, but many have understood it in different ways or even misunderstood it or misinterpreted it. And so from my perspective, as an American and a Muslim, I very much value the First Amendment, freedom of religion, and also the Establishment Clause. And I know from at least a, a historical perspective in Islam, um, the second Khalif, the second Caliph, Omar, when he, it's basically a story where he was walking and he saw someone whom he, think, whom he thought was committing a sin. And so he entered that person's property unannounced and the person to whom that property belonged he, he scolded him a little bit, but in a sincere manner, he told him, this is my private life. What I do, as long as it doesn't harm another, is between God and myself. And Omar, he understood the, the sincerity and also the truth of that statement. And so from an aspect of separation of church and state, there are laws, natural laws, so to speak, by which people are governed and bound. But from my perspective, at least, one cannot compel morality. That comes from a higher source or an inner source. And so it's good when people are guided by religions, but it becomes perhaps less so when um, theocracies come into play. And there, Lot of, I guess a lot of other things what I could say about that, but I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, Tinder, any uh, further comments on this topic? Uh, there is a word dharma. You might, like the Buddha, uh, you might have heard. So basically dharma, and uh, we can translate dharma to religion also. Some people, they translate like that. And in six, uh, they say, Dharam bina nahi raj chale hai. Some people, they took the slogan that if you want, uh, not all, but like somebody who wants to rule, actually, if you want to, the government, you want to rule, basically, the, the one who is God-loving, they don't want to rule. The guru said, I don't want any kingdom. I don't want that. I just want the love of the Lord. And so the, the masters, 
they don't want any rule they don't want kingdoms so it's the people who want to rule their greed or something you know they want to rule so actual should be the government the governance should go by dharma they can take the morality from the dharma they can take the love the righteousness from the dharma and then make the government instead of you know you make the government and then you you rule and then you impose when you rule then you impose your religion your faith but if you take the the goodness from the faith and then bring it to the government we have to take that nourishment the from from that faith and then bring the all those those good good qualities good basically it's love and peace and contentment all the goodness you should see and then you bring it to the government then it's it's better for society better for humanity better for everyone thank you uh, other uh, uh, comments or questions said i'm i'm always a little intimidated uh, in this group because you have such wonderful uh, well trained people and i'm a lay person but uh, you you made me think when you asked about unique aspects of particular faith traditions and i was thinking about that today as i was walking down uh, lake street in bridgeman and walked past the catholic church and they had on their sign something about uh, drink the blood of Jesus or share in the blood of Jesus. And I thought, wow, if somebody didn't know anything about Christianity, they would think what a weird thing to put and what a weird tradition that is um, to, to drink blood and to, to share the body as some many of the Christian denominations do. And I, as I'm listening to our guests tonight speak, I'm, I'm wondering uh, a, how that strikes them, but B, you know, whether there's uh, something about, uh, and I'm thinking back to the, the uh, discussion of how you, you share God or how, how God is with you, uh, wh whether there's something to be said there that, that kind of pulls this together. So that's not a very good question, but it's just kind of an observation. And I thought I'll, I'll take advantage of these different perspectives now for a comment. So I guess the, the, the challenge, how, how would you as a Muslim or how would you as a Sikh uh, <laughs> react to a church signboard that said, uh, uh, come drink the, the blood of Jesus? Oh, I think uh, there's going by the book, you know, when you go by the book, there is an abstract meaning of that. So when you go by, we know that because I know, but if someone doesn't know, uh, they may think, oh, what is this? You know, when you go literal, by the literal meaning, but if you go by the, the deep meaning, then it's a different thing. So I have no problem. It looks good to me. Safe, yeah. uh, your reactions. To me, uh, first reaction is, I'd love to join and come in and observe and help if I can. Second reaction is, well, I guess the initial reaction too, too. Um, I'm also a lay person. I don't think I've had any formal training or education either. 
And but that aside, it also to me points to a higher idea of that is something through which the Christian community or just community in general is unified by the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the atonement thereof. And so that I can appreciate as well. Um, but for me also, as a Muslim, um, my reaction too is I also accept God. And because I accept God directly, that is also a way and my way to salvation. So for me, it addresses, again, the differences in belief, but also the similarity of, yes, there is an action, a common action, through which we all can find love and find God, find the divine, share in compassion and peace. And going back to something I said previously, be encompassed by God's all-encompassing mercy. Um, but yes, that is a very good observation. It, it's, it evokes, I would say, a primal or visceral image that causes one to reflect. And that reflection is good. You know, uh, uh, both of you have uh, referenced two concepts that surfaced in our development of a, an interfaith public theology last year. Uh, one was a commitment to storytelling. Uh, both of you in uh, responding to questions uh, told stories of uh, how prior faith leaders in your tradition handled certain situations. Uh, also, uh, we talked about a common table around which uh, diverse individuals feel uh, included. Uh, Jatinder uh, talked about the uh, core concept of a community kitchen within Sikhism in which uh, all people are invited to share in a meal. Uh, say if I recall uh, before the pandemic when the mosque in invited us uh, to share in uh, an Eid uh, feast uh, in which uh, a common table uh, was shared with uh, all uh, uh, who were invited. So uh, can you, I think in these closing minutes, talk about how a, a common table or a common meal is a symbol of unity uh, of unity amidst diversity in your faith traditions. You broke up a little bit, apologies. Can you repeat that last sentence, please? Uh, sure, uh, could you comment on how a kind of a common meal or a common table or a shared meal are uh, a reflection of unity amidst diversity in your faith tradition? Sure. So e even, even for those of different faiths or of no faith, there's something human and primal about sharing one's meal, one's food with another. It bridges gaps. It brings people close to each other. 
And from my perspective as a Muslim, it indicates to me how humanity was created from one living entity, whom, which is called Adam. And coincidentally, though Adam is masculine, sometimes that first human is referred to in the feminine singular. And from that one human, from that one life, we all came into being, again, sheltered and uh, free and, and um, given our life by God's spirit. God literally breathed of his spirit into us. And when we break bread together, especially, or have a common meal, it for me shows that yes, we are still unified despite our differences. And because of that, we are made diverse. We are diversified. That's why too, I think one of the Jewish blessings is blessed are you, our Lord, O oh God, ruler of the universe, who, who caused bread to come forth from the earth. That's a, that, sorry about that translation, but, and so an aspect of that is something growing, always growing, coming forth from the earth, changing, evolving, so to speak, but still having that common characteristic. There's that unifying element, but also when we share food with others, we are bolstered by their presence. We are bolstered by the ability to help and others to enable them to realize their potential, but also to become a little bit introspective in ourselves. So for student, to know ourself and our world and hopefully realizing that the diversities and similarities make whatever part of our world we can a better and more thriving place. Thank you for that. Uh, Jatinder, uh... Uh, the, the final word from, from you, and again, as you've uh, clarified to us earlier, uh, the community kitchen, uh, uh, the meal that is uh, prepared for all, uh, which was very powerful, uh, especially in the uh, early months of the pandemic. Uh, comment on how that is, is such a compelling component of your faith tradition? Yeah, the main, uh, th like they say in Sikhism, uh, the Sikh gurus told us, the main purpose of our human life is to realize your, realize the Lord who lives in you. And, and we require certain qualities for that. The humility is one of them. And to shed the ego, the I-ness, and shed the duality. And the service, we call it seva. When we serve others, it makes us humble. There's one, one thing, one aspect of this. And the people, when the guru brought the concept of sangat and hangat, the company, and uh, sitting together, serving each other or serving other people, the, the people were divided in different caste. India had that time, you know, high, low, which still there is. People, some people are high caste, high status, low status, very poor. And when we sit together, there is no high, no low. We are the same people. When we eat together, when we cook together, we serve, uh, that the difference is gone. And it makes us more humble and brings us closer to the Lord. 
Well, uh, thank you uh, to you, Jatinder, to you, Safe, for you, the powerful insights that you have provided, insights from your own uh, faith tradition, but insights that really unite us as uh, an interreligious uh, community. Uh, we're greatly appreciative of your time uh, and your wisdom and look forward uh, to sharing around common tables uh, in the future. Uh, Stephen, I turn it back to you. I just wanna say thank you also, Sid, for bringing us together, unifying us together. And without this evening of conversation, I, don't, I myself at least, would not have learned what I learned and I don't think I would have had those insights that I was blessed to have. Amen. Yeah. Yes, thank you, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation and really underscores this principle in itself of common life. It's a, it's a practice and something we're doing uh, this evening. So looking forward to the rest of these conversations. Uh, the next one will be in the month of July. Um, that date is uh, still, we're still pinning that down, but um, stay tuned for that. Uh, but thank you for your time this evening and joining us for this conversation and hopefully we'll see you next month. Thank you. Peace to all of you. God bless you all. Uh, peace to everyone.